How would you like to be a world-class content website investor? Hi, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Alex Cooper from WP Eagle. Alex is a WordPress and content website weapon. He's bought and scaled many content websites and is dedicated to helping you do the same. In this podcast episode, Alex and I specifically talk about why it's better to buy a website over starting one from scratch and what actually what that actually means. We also talk about how to choose the right hosting for your website. When you purchase a website, you need to have your website hosted somewhere. So we talk about how to choose the right hosting for you and for your website. We also talk about how to decide if the niche the website you're looking at buying is actually a good niche before you go away and invest in that business. We talk about how to create content, how to hire writers. Also, why not to pay writers by the hour or per word and how that can be bad as a you know payment system for creating content and what you should be doing instead. We also talk about how and why you should use AI to help create your content for you and so much more. This is a, such a valuable episode. You're absolutely going to love it. Now, we did have some technical difficulties with this podcast episode, so I'm hoping the audio and the video all comes together nicely. If it doesn't, we'll iron out the kinks and put to put together the best version for you that we possibly can. So enjoy the episode. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites, but don't want to drop $20,000 on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odie's done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium age domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.global to check out their great deals. That's odys.global. Link will be in the description too. Alex, hello and welcome to the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Hello, welcome. Well, well, I don't know why I'm saying welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I've just been on a live YouTube stream with. Welcome uh, to everybody else. I said to you before, before we hit the record buttons, we don't normally get into like the the hero's journey story on this podcast, but I think it's going to be helpful for the audience, um, everybody listening. So I wanted to ask you, like, why did you, you know, what what was your motivation for wanting to get online? Like, what did you do prior to this, and what was your motivation for getting on getting online? And when did that? When was that? Like, what year? Uh, oh god oh a long time ago um i mean i've done many businesses um i think i quit my job about 15 16 maybe longer 17 years ago and set up my own business and um that was a wi-fi business when wi-fi was quite a new thing and you used to have to you know stick a card in your laptop to get wi-fi on your laptop and it didn't work too well it was kind of slow but it was it was obviously going to be the future. So I set up a little business where I was helping people get onto Wi-Fi, installing it. 
um, which was fine. But as I say, the technology wasn't that good at the time. So often I'd install stuff and then I'd have clients and customers ringing me saying the Wi-Fi is not working. And yeah, so I was doing a lot of running around, a lot of crawling around in ceilings and, and all that kind of stuff. And basically to cut a long story short, I discovered Google AdWords when I had that business in terms of getting Wi-Fi clients. And that blew my mind in terms of how well that worked. So I ended up ditching the the Wi-Fi and doing AdWords, becoming an AdWords agency, and we ended up being quite big and being one of the top Google partners. But again, I still had the problem where I'd get clients ringing me, like when I was on holiday and stuff, saying, um, you know, there's a problem with my campaign, can you help? And all my website's gone down. And so I wanted to find a business where I didn't have to rely on clients, if that makes sense, because I wanted more of that kind of passive income rather than selling my time. Um, I wanted to make money without having to sell services or products to clients. So at that time, we had a client, actually, we were helping them with their Google AdWords that were a couple of affiliate marketeers. So that blew my mind in terms of what they were doing, how much money they were earning and uh, and the kind of products they were promoting. So I kind of knew that affiliate marketing was what I wanted to do. And I sort of fell into it when I set up my YouTube channel. I also wanted to do YouTube mainly because that, that was also fascinating how people were making a living off creating content on YouTube. So I kind of combined the two together really and um, one of my first tutorials was on how to create a website uh, with WordPress because I'm also a big fan of WordPress. And obviously within that tutorial I had the opportunity to talk about hosting and domain names and plugins and themes and with all those things there's an affiliate program and yeah, the kind of two married together and I started earning some hosting commissions and yeah, the rest is history really. Cool, cool. And so what was your main motivation? So I guess your main motivation, and correct me if I'm wrong, was it that you wanted to get away from hands-on tasks with the AdWords into more of a like a passive yeah. type income? Yeah. I wanted to, basically clients, it was mainly clients. I found that clients were difficult to manage and they always added an extra layer of stress because you're always worrying about them, always worrying about their, if it was their AdWords campaigns or their Wi-Fi, whatever it was that I was yeah. working with them on, I was always worried about them. And I say it would often, they'd often need me at the most inconvenient times when I was on holiday or when I was just, you know, doing something. And I also, you know, started a family a few years ago and, you know, that took up a lot of time as well. So I wanted to yeah. basically free up some time. I definitely went into this business more about time rather than money. I know a lot of people when they discover affiliate marketing or you know niche websites or content websites they're kind of maybe drawn in by the money there's people with lamborghinis and private jets and all that kind of stuff but it was really more <laughs> about the time um just be able to earn a, a reasonable income but have a lot more time yeah i'm with you i i this that's the whole reason i got into this is my goal when i first started is like i just want to make enough money to cover my expenses so yeah. then I can have time to just go go around and travel and surf and, and be selfish with my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah rather than <laughs> at selling that stage, it at people. that period of my life. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm all about optimizing ourselves for time. So have you ever bought a website business before? Uh, I have, yeah. I have. I um I first dabbled with buying websites on Flipper, which is probably a place where a lot of people start. It's like, you know, the eBay of websites, isn't it? And I just wanted to pick something up that wasn't doing, you know, huge amounts, just earning a little bit of money and just to see what I could do with it. Cause I, 
I saw that that'd be a quicker way to kind of get involved um, in terms of having sites. I think I had already created some of my own sites at that point, but I just wanted to buy one and Flipper fascinated me. Mm. And I ended up buying a website that was all around registry cleaners, which are, I later found out a bit of a scam, actually. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're bits of software that you put on your PC. And, you know, this was back in the day of, you know, Windows 2000 or whatever, when, uh, you know, it would often run slow and everything. So you get this bit of software and it's supposed to clean out your, your windows and make it run better. But it, as I say, it turns out most of these bits of software are a bit of a scam, which, you know, it taught me a few lessons, especially when it came to affiliate marketing that I, as an affiliate, you know, there are a lot of products and things that, you know, maybe look tempting in terms of what you want to promote. Maybe they pay a good commission, but you really want to promote stuff and talk about stuff that you're comfortable with um, that are actually good, solid products that you're, you're happy to recommend. And I think that's you know the real essence of affiliate marketing, isn't it? It's recommending good stuff that you like and that you use. So yeah, I learned a few lessons with that. So I ended up selling it again, actually on Flipper. So I don't think I made any money, but I don't think I lost any money. Um, I did some work on it and then sold it. And yeah, since then I bought a couple of other sites. Um, nowadays, you know, because I'm on YouTube, I often get people approaching me saying, hi, I've got this site for sale. Uh, you're interested. <laughs> and yeah, if it's at a reasonable price and it looks like it's got potential, I'll, I'll, I'll tend to buy them, uh, especially if the person gives me some sob story about, you know, I need the money for my sick mother or something, which happens quite a lot. For them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what would, so other than their reason and, and helping them out, which is very generous of you, what, why would you choose to, I'm just curious on this. Why would you choose to buy, buy these ones rather than starting them? Um, mainly because just of the time, um, you know, I've got a few new sites on the go and it seems to take longer now just to get sites ranking and get the traffic going. It's a lot harder than it was, I think, in terms of yeah, getting on Google and getting some authority and, and churning out the content. So, and then also, you know, realizing that maybe you're not in the right niche or you know, mm. you've chosen the wrong domain name, which is, is again stuff that's happened to me. I've got a site at the moment. I did an update video for it today, actually, and it's just not working. It's just it's just like a flat line. I just can't get it moving. So at least if you buy a site, you can see like the history of it and you can see whether it's moving in the right direction. Um, so yeah, it's basically just to kind of save some time and kind of jumpstart the site. It's great to hear that from, from somebody like yourself who has a lot of experience starting sites, getting sites running and finding product market fit. But that's the reason I, I'm, I, you know, I got into this as well is like, I try to start a, a travel blog. Um, and then I try to start some other websites as well. And it was just really hard. And this is still like seven eight years ago when it was obviously easier <laughs> yeah. than it is right now it still wasn't um, easy but it was maybe still easier yeah yeah easier correct because you're right about the niche thing um and i think that's the hardest thing is is when we're trying to start something from scratch is finding that product market fit right like yeah sometimes yeah you've got the domain that may not be correct like the best domain you may not be in the best niche that is trending or it takes longer to get product market fit in terms of having enough content to make ad revenue or affiliate revenue uh, there's a lot of variables when starting and especially when you're completely green right yeah and yeah it's impossible to say i mean you can do all the research and there's loads of tools and stuff to try and help you find the perfect niche and you can do some competitor research and, and all that stuff but it's it's never the same as actually looking at a site that's been established for a year or two and seeing exactly is it working what's working 
is there potential in terms of maybe expanding the bits that are working? Because even within a niche, there's gonna be certain areas of content that work well and others that don't. Uh, and that, you know, the best way to learn what works, what doesn't work is to actually do it. And by doing it, you're gonna be spending a lot of time and a lot of money to, to find that out. Talking about the start is like, we don't have much time and we want more time. And the same with our money, we wanna, you know, not that we wanna, I mean, personally, I don't, a Lamborghini doesn't um, interest me. <laughs> but you know, having some more money to 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 be able to put into more. You don't want to waste money, that's for sure. Exactly. Um, yeah. And that can happen with a with a young site. You can end up spending a lot of money on content and and all sorts of things, and uh, not all of it's going to deliver a return. I'm afraid. Well, I find that the people that have had success that have a good affiliate site or an advertising site, whatever it is, what type of content site, normally they have started multiple sites. Yeah, uh, they've started more than one. It hasn't just been, oh, cool, I'll start one, and it's just gone really well. They probably started five to ten or even more, right? Before they, yeah, they're kind of hedging their bets a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's kind of are investing. You're investing your time and your money uh, in something that's new. They need to spread their risk because they don't know what they invest in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You have to start multiple sites, I think, and and see which ones wins, which is difficult, especially if you're just starting out and you have got limited resources. It's it's very tricky. To do that, and a lot of people, I get questioned all the time from people that watch my stuff on YouTube, saying, you know, when should I start a new site, or when should I give up on a site? I'm not sure if it's working, and it's hard to know, especially if you only got one or two sites. And yeah, it's very difficult to predict. When you're starting a uh, a niche site or a content site, there's some of the things that you do to see if you were going to buy a niche website. Well, um, well, there's a few things. I mean, the the main thing is checking what content potential there is. So. That's just doing some research on Google, doing some searches. You can use tools like Ahrefs or um, any other keyword tools out there. Um, but basically, I'm looking for what other websites are out there, um, what who's coming up in Google for certain searches around the particular topics. Um, are they big established sites? Are they you know affiliate sites? Um, are they answering the question? That's the key thing, really. And you know, are they answering what people are searching for accurately and in a quality way? If not, then there's potential there. Um, if it's going to be an affiliate site, then I'm looking at the kind of products that we can talk about and recommend. Um, you know, the higher value, the better. Um, digital products, good as well. You know, you don't want a site that's just maybe talking about books or something like that because, you know, the margins on that are going to be too small to make any money. So, yeah, it's checking out the competition and looking just for the potential. Um, is there content that could be written that hasn't been written yet? Is there content that's working on the site um, that could be expanded um, or could maybe taken into different directions? Um, they're the main things. And also, do I like it? Am I interested in it? Is it something that, that's going to kind of excite me in any way? <laughs> Otherwise, it's just, you know, really dull. Like, that can be a problem. That's, that's for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I don't write so much content anymore. Um, I use writers or I use... Um, well, yeah, I just use writers <laughs> and AI tools, but they're generally used by my editor as well. I don't tend to do it myself. The business, the niche is scalable and sure that there's room to move and see what other competitors are doing that could inspire us if we're going to purchase the business that we're looking at purchasing. Um, and also give us a bit of, you know, knock us back into realization of like, where is the business at that you're looking at purchasing versus like how far it's going to have to go on a journey to, to meet that, same level that the competitors at and is yeah. that actually possible i think that that helps in buying a niche as well would you agree yeah yeah definitely that's key i mean the thing is it's not to worry about the competition it's just to see you know what they're doing that 
you could maybe do better um, maybe areas within that niche that they've missed or that they they haven't serviced particularly well mm. um, a lot of people i think that when it comes to competition in any business they think they want to try and come up with an idea or a niche that doesn't have any competition but generally if there isn't much competition it's probably not a very good niche <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's great it's so true so i want to talk about the hosting say somebody has found his website to buy and they've gone cool it's in a good niche they've done their due deals and it looks good and they're in that process of doing the migration which is always fun um, yeah especially if you're like even for myself like it's just not something I love doing. Um, but if you're brand, brand new to this, it's it's a task in itself. So yeah. it does help having somebody help you with that. But when, you know, often somebody's going to have to go, it's like, I'm going to buy some, I need to get some hosting to transfer all of this this site and the data into. And you talked about, you know, um, helping people choose hosting. What are some of the things that if somebody's buying a site should be thinking about or asking when they're going to choose what type of hosting they should be using for say a blog site or a niche site that they're buying? So yeah, when it comes to hosting, I think, you know, the main thing you want to check is the the performance of your hosting company. It's really important that your site loads really quickly and, you know, it delivers a good experience because that affects just, you know, you working on the site. I've worked on sites before on slow hosting and it's just, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> frustrating when your site's loading really slowly. And it's frustrating to your visitors, which is not a good thing as well. And it, it then also affects your search engine ranking. So performance is key. Uptime is also really important. And a level of support. Um, you know, especially if you're kind of new, you're going to want a, a company that's there to help you. Where I'm at now, I use a company called Spiderweb, who they're a small company here in the UK. But, you know, I've got a direct line to uh, Phil, who's the company owner and in charge of all the servers, and he just kind of looks after everything for me. So, you know, if I buy a site, Amazing. if I sell a site, he takes care of all the migration process and the transfer. So, if you get to that point, I'd highly recommend it where you just basically have your own server guy to just deal with all that stuff because it's it can be nerve wracking, especially if you're moving sites around. Yeah, that's right. I I think the 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 hosting thing is interesting where somebody's just bought a website and they're like, oh, okay, I need to get hosting, but I'll just spend all this money on the site. I don't want to spend too much money on hosting. Yeah. But if you're buying a content site, it's kind of the opposite. You want a, you want a premium host so the site loads fast. I know that I was once in this boat where I was, I was cheap, you know, uh, trying to do things on a budget, trying to be really, really cheap. And I, when I first started one of my sites, uh, I was on uh, shared hosting as well. And when I decided to change my hosting, because like, oh, look, I'm, I'm coming into a bit of money here, and uh, like, I want to, I want my site to load faster or be better. Uh, I changed host, and it wasn't much money. It was like double the price. Maybe I went from like twenty dollars a month to forty dollars a month, or you know, fifteen to thirty. But I went from a like a eight, fourteen, or in between eight to fourteen second load time down to like one to two second load time which was phenomenal yeah. just by changing the host and nothing else. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't go cheap on the hosting. It's very important. And <laughs> if you can get a dedicated server or someone that can manage it, then yeah, I definitely recommend that you do that. I mean, I used to recommend the shared hosting and if people are just starting out, they've maybe haven't got hardly any money, then it's perfect. And it's fine. Your site isn't getting much traffic anyway, so it doesn't matter too much. But as soon as it starts getting a bit of traffic and you want to start maybe putting some ads on and that kind of thing, then you do need to take hosting very seriously. Yeah, I was just saying that a lot of hosting companies seem to go through cycles. So 
I've recommended a number of companies in the past that I wouldn't recommend now. It seems that when they're kind of smaller, they offer a much better service, um, but they tend to then get quite popular because they're offering a good service and then they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then ultimately they often get bought out by a big, you know, large corporation and that's when things start going wrong. So, you know, sometimes it's, it's worth just keeping an eye on the hosting and when that renewal comes up, it's maybe worth checking. I know we just talked about migrating and stuff and moving sites isn't fun. Um, but you know, it can be worth it because I used to recommend companies like SiteGround. They're not as good as they were. I used to recommend TSO host, which are a hosting company in this country, which were very, very good. And now they're not. So yeah, something that you've got to keep, keep on top of hosting for sure. Yeah. Thanks. That's a good, that's a good shout out. So somebody's just got their site hosted and they've bought it and they're like, all right, cool. Now let's roll up my sleeves and let's start creating content. And they've got no idea how to create content. What are some of the things that you would recommend people to learn when doing some content creation? Is it like learning keyword research? Like what, if someone was to come to you and say, I just bought this blog, uh, it's in WordPress. What sort of, where would you guide them and how would you guide them to start creating solid content for that? Okay, well, end of the day, with content, all you're really doing is helping people. There's people out there on Google searching for stuff right now, searching for information, and they're putting questions in and and they need answers. So that's what your job is. And um, obviously, you can find out those questions. The best keyword research tool, I still think, is Google. You just go over to Google, start typing things in, and there'll be suggestions that come down. There's the old alphabet method, um, which is very popular, where, you know, best, I don't know, deep fat fryer four, and then you type, a b c and you'll see all these suggestions come up and that's all ideas for content um you go down to the bottom of the google there's you know people also ask and they may not necessarily be their own articles they might all form one article because they might be subheadings within within a particular piece of content so yeah it's, it's finding out what people are looking for and the information that they need it's then looking on google and other search engines to see how well it's being answered and what the information is like that's already out there and I think it's just about delivering that information in a really clear, concise way. Um, I think we got to a point where we were getting bogged down with word count and people were saying, you know, you need to write 2000 words, you need to write 1500 words. Yeah. I think you need to write as many words as need to be written to actually deliver that information in a clear and concise way. And, you know, using bullet points, using diagrams, maybe video, just not masses and masses of paragraphs. You know, how, how often do you read an entire article unless it's something you're really interested in generally you're kind of scanning through you just want the information quickly so if you can deliver that um i think you'll do well in terms of putting the content together you can write it yourself you can outsource it to writers which again is a bit of a learning process a bit of trial and error there you try different guys out different people out and see what happens um or you can try ai tools which i've been playing around with quite a lot recently and they're not a replacement for writers, but they are a very useful tool. If you suffer like me with writer's block, you find it difficult to get started writing. They can help you with that. They can help you get that first paragraph down and, and kind of help you structure stuff together. Cool. That's awesome. I totally agree with the word count thing. Uh, and yeah. I'm tending to see what Google Google's doing is trying to give people the answers quickly and in the most short form as possible, which is what snippets are. And so I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, numbers and bullet point lists so people can get the featured snippet um, for their I think it's really important now, yeah. I think there's so many articles, and you, you come across them now, I see them on so many websites. They're just full of fluff, 
full of waffle. Yes. And people are just literally putting words in just to make the word count longer. And that doesn't help anyone. And, and Google, especially now, is becoming far more uh, sophisticated in terms of how it indexes content and how it serves content. And it knows all this fluff and it, it doesn't want it. No one wants it. Yeah. I, like, I just read an article last night because I'm choosing a new pillow. Uh, okay. And it, it's, it was just like the ideal layout like i when i'm not, i'm sure you're similar to me that when you go to a website now that you if you're reading something you kind of like oh this is this is good versus this is bad um helping us to find like helping us to identify what's good content versus bad content but it's ecoconsciousliving.com and it's you know, the best natural pillow for sleep and they just it's just phenomenally well written um, in terms of like some of the other sites that I went to was just like those big walls of text, like you're actually mm. reading a book. If people want to read a book, go away and pick up a book. Like you yeah. don't want to read a book on your screen on the internet, right? Um, but just this covered every single topic without it being fluff like you said and then move on to the next thing that I needed to think about in a pillow and then the next thing. And, and it highlighted all the things I needed to think about and then offered two suggestions um, rather than offering you know 25 suggestions yeah um, based Again, well, you're not helping like, people if you're offering 25 suggestions that's what a lot of these shops do you know to go to amazon type in pillow there'll be 50 pillows come up but yes which one is the best yeah i don't know you basically yeah people like this one or this one that's it yes yeah people struggle yeah, with it, choice it my, was... my wife is terrible with choice that's why she never she can never go to somewhere like subway there's just too many questions <laughs> too, many, too many options yeah yeah, well, it's it's decision fatigue. Every human has it um, yeah. to a certain extent, uh, and I think you can write a better article, you can write better content if you're focusing on the solution. Like what we're saying, it's a different mind frame in in how we write that article and how we produce that piece of content. In fo if you're focusing on the solution and giving the best value to the audience or the reader, then you don't need to offer them twenty five pillows. No, you don't. You and can just offer to be precise. I mean, two. Yeah. yeah. Just answer the question and as well. That's the key thing. You know, if, if you search for, you know, what's the best pillow for a, a bad neck or something like that? Yeah. Um, the first paragraph or two should answer that question. It shouldn't be a load of waffle about, oh, maybe you've got a bad neck because you were lifting some bricks. And then, you know, the other day, <laughs> you know, they have all that fluff trying to build up the picture, whereas it should be, if you've got a bad neck, either this pillow or this pillow, depending yeah, on your neck. budget. Yeah. That's it, and uh, you already that's know why why I found you, you already know that you got a bad neck because yeah. that's why you're on the page. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, often they repeat it and explain why you might have, a, but you don't need that. That's why we found um, that no. you know actually going straight in with like a product table. Maybe you know this is our best pick at the very top of an article. Yeah. People will tend just to click on that. They won't even read the article. They'll just go, oh, okay, that one's the best. The editor's choice or whatever. Click buy. Yeah, and I find that you. If you're gonna, if we're gonna go back to hiring, and you know, like you said, it is a process trying to find somebody who's a good writer. If you're gonna go through, you know, Upwork or whatnot, um, you know, if you don't have a good content brief uh, or a good structure of how, like, you want to have the writer write the content, and you just go, can you produce a, an article with this keyword? You're most likely gonna get, um, you know. A, fluffed out content because it's in their best interest they're getting paid per hour they want to create something that's a bit bigger that's got more words whereas if you keep it refined and you keep them on task then you can have a 
a better produced article, right? Would you agree with this? Yeah. I do. I do agree. And I think, you know, buying content by the word, I think is a false way to buy stuff because some of the Mm -hmm. best content is not the longest content. Is it? I always thought that with, you know, when I used to sell web design services, I've done that before WordPress sites. Um, A lot of web developers and things would say, okay, I'll I'll charge you by the hour. You know, my rate is a hundred dollars an hour. Um, Which I always thought was, was a bit weird because the really good web developers, the really efficient web developers, they would put out a site in a in a lot quicker time, uh, which would make the client happy and everyone would be happy. But then they'd actually end up charging less um, than the slow guys that are very inefficient and take ages to put your website together. They end up getting paid more. So I think the whole by the hour or by the word kind of way of selling these kind of services is is not the right way. I'd rather just say I'll pay you this much for an article and it needs to you know tick these boxes, be this structure, and be really good. And if it's five hundred words, that's fine because you know. If it's about, you know, how do you boil an egg? Probably doesn't need to be that, that long, does it? It just needs to be good, concise, and useful. You don't need to write 2,000 yeah, words about that. Exactly. <laughs> well, when you think about the hiring process and how you're going to, well, I wouldn't say the hiring process, but the payment process, the way you incentivize their work really is really matters. If you're incentivizing people to do it per hour or per word, you're basically incentivizing them if they want to make more money they need to drag it out and do it as long as possible yeah. versus Which is not if what you, you want. want to do it the yeah. other way. Yeah, you want to you want to pay per results. And if yeah. you like which is what you have done is like give me a 500, you know, give me an article. I don't care how many words it is, but you you're going to pay per article, per result, and you're basically incentivizing them to do it as quick as possible because the more that they can do, the better and the more money they're going to make. That said, you want to have good quality control. So when you are asking for a pay per result, you need a highlight in the job description. This is what the article needs to have in it at least, like a bullet point list or whatever it is, table, all that sort of yeah. thing, right? That's probably the best way to structure paying somebody for a, for a piece of content. Yeah, for sure. Well, I find. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. And yeah. the same was you know, when I was selling websites, it would be this is how much it is for the website and there's no hours or any thing like that it's just this is the project and this is how much it'll be yeah i want this changed on my website and i want it to look like this i'm paying for it to look like this how much will it cost me not how many hours is it going to take you (laughs) yeah so let's move on let's move on to ai Uh, i'm interested to see how you're using the ai uh yeah tell me tell me more so you're going to have an article written or you want an article produced and you know um someone like me or yourself we have writer's block what are you how are you using these ai tools okay well i came across it was called conversion ai in the beginning it's now called jarvis ai and in the beginning they just had these kind of individual tools so um if you wanted like an intro paragraph for a, a blog post it could it could do that um if you wanted a product description or to write about a product, you could do that as well. So it's pretty cool because you could feed in, you know, features and benefits about a product and in a kind of bullet point form and it would turn that into a paragraph. But now they offer kind of like a long form edit so you can create an entire blog post just you know, straight off a kind of blank page. There is a few caveats to it. Um, you do need to kind of guide um, this technology it's it still is a robot i mean it's not kind of spinning content or anything like that i mean some people think it's like the old days where we had these article spinners where they'd basically take existing content they'd run them for a thesaurus and just change all the words and make it into a load of gibberish these technologies they seem to work different they've kind of 
uh, crawled the web, they've learned a lot of information and they know how to structure sentences and paragraphs and then they use the information they've learned to create these paragraphs. I've checked all the content that I've created with these tools through all the different plagiarism um, tools and services and it's all completely clean. And yeah, I've had some great success with right. it, but you, you you do need to put the structure in. So I would I'd always kind of do the research, find out all the subheadings and things that I want in the article. And very similar to how you brief a writer, you, you need to get all your subheadings and all the key yeah. points that you want to include. And Jarvis or whatever tool you're using kind of helps you then just fill it out and, and put it together. The articles do need editing. They do need fact checking. They're, they're not very good at kind of being used to research information you need to kind of do your research and know what you want to write about because often they'll put bits in that just aren't true so you you just have to check that but yeah i've had some great success with jarvis i i on my youtube channel i have a live stream often on a thursday afternoon uk time and i've worked with those tools live on youtube creating content and yeah sometimes it just spews out a whole load of gibberish but you then you just do it again and for a third or fourth time lucky you get some really good stuff that you can work with um, a lot of people seem to think that it is a replacement for, to writers, which which is certainly not. It's just another tool, a bit like Grammarly or Copyscape. <laughs> so would you say it does save you time? I mean, if you're doing it two to four times, is it going to be better to do it that do that anyway versus trying to sit down and force yourself to be creative in, in, in write? I think it's for me, it does save me time because I'm really bad at getting creative and and writing paragraphs and coming up with good stuff. It it gives me enough that I can kind of use it, uh, either edit it. Sometimes it's fine just as it comes out, but it's easy for me to click a button four times than it is for me to kind of write four different paragraphs off the top of my own head. So yeah, I've been really impressed. And for the very specific tools, like if I've got a bit of content, maybe I have written a paragraph and I just think, oh, it's not very good. I can put the whole paragraph and it's got like a content improver tool as well and it will rewrite the paragraph. So I can, you know, press the button three or four times, rewrite that paragraph very quickly and then go, okay, that's the best one. That's the one I want. Awesome. And so this one's conversion AI, is that right? Yeah, it's called Jarvis actually now. They've rebranded. Um, okay. My link is wpeagle.com slash Jarvis. Check it out if you want to. That's an affiliate link. Um, and yeah, I've, Definitely. I think they're, they're a really good company. They've got a really good interface. I've had um, one of their um, team on... Um, on one of my streams chatting about the tool and there's a whole load of different tools out there and it's it's definitely a space that's changing all the time but that's one of my favorites and the one that i've been using um they have like this boss mode which basically you can then just type commands in so maybe you put a paragraph in and you can say you know rewrite the paragraph above and it will, will just do it it's, it's really really clever stuff but it has its oh, limits love it well everything does right yeah when it comes to technology that's right. yeah 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 <laughs> uh Awesome. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Also, for your live, where can people go to check you out on YouTube and also your website? Because this has been tremendously valuable. I'm sure people are going to be like, hey, I want to get on this live and, and check out some of your content. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, on YouTube, it's WP Eagle. Um, I say I'm live generally twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. We just hang out and talk about sites and I look at some people's sites. I share my sites. That's the thing with my channel. I'm very open with all of my sites. So one of my biggest case studies recently was um, where I created a roof box website, which, you know, for the boxes that people put on top of their cars, that was a project from scratch. I created a whole video on how I created the site um, from scratch. And then every month I did an update video over the two odd years that I had the site. 
Um, so building up, adding the content, sharing all the earnings, all the traffic every single month. And uh, then ultimately I sold that site just a couple of months ago, sold it for $70,000. So that's a great case study because it shows that you can do it from scratch. You've got to be patient and you've got to put a lot of work in. Um, and I've got a few other case studies that are running at the moment for more recent sites. Again, they start off with a full tutorial on how I create the site and then I follow up with, with update videos every month on the earnings, the traffic and all the content and all the other work that I've done with the site, any link building or, or anything really, share everything. Um, which I know a lot of YouTubers, they don't do because they're scared of getting copied and all the rest of it, which does happen. <laughs> Some of my sites, they do get copied, but it's just all part of the uh, the game, isn't it really, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, you're you're putting out great content. It's, you know, you're, you're coming from service first. I think that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Alex. It's been great to chat to you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for having me. It's been fun. It has been fun. Everybody that is... Um, watching slash listening if you're watching slash listening on youtube please smash the like button because that is going to help this podcast episode get shown to more people who are looking at buying websites and growing uh content sites so please smash the like button especially if you liked it why wouldn't you if you're not watching this on youtube or listening to this on youtube this listening to this on youtube what are you even doing <laughs> i'm joking i'm joking by the way come to my youtube channel if you aren't on my youtube channel check it out because i have more great content um on specific videos of just myself talking about you know buying sites and growing sites as well so check that out uh thank you everybody for listening and i'll speak to you soon bye